Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Becoming a Bible Nerd. I'm Carrie Hunt and I'm so glad that you are joining us. We are currently in our summer chat series and we are taking different topics all summer to help build a biblical worldview. Today we will be talking about cultivating a heart to serve others. Now I just got back from Africa, so this topic is naturally on my mind. But then as soon as I got back, Roe versus Wade got overturned by the Supreme Court and the post came rolling in. It was Democrats versus Republicans. It was women against men. It was Christian versus non-Christian. And there was so much information out there. My heart just hurt as I saw so much division. And it really shows the depravity of our world when a um, when a human life, a beating heart can go so easily disregarded. So before we go on, we will be addressing some of this today, but my heart goes out to those women who have had an abortion. I've had many friends who have had them and they regret it every day. And I know this season that we're in right now can be difficult with all the media attention, reminding you of something that was very painful, a very painful part of your past. And what I want to say is there is no condemnation in Christ. You are a new creation. He forgives and he restores and he wants you to walk confidently in that freedom. I will so boldly say that healing will come from you sharing your story. Many people keep this hidden and they keep it a secret. And that is one way that Satan can come in and still destroy their minds. But your testimony is powerful. So many people around us live in shame and hearing your story and that they were not alone will bring healing and the forgiveness that they need. And I will go on to say that God wants to use you to expand his kingdom. This is a powerful need. So I carefully challenge you to create a space, a safe space to tell your story. I believe that your voice will be the most powerful voice in this season. And thank you for being brave. So back to all the posts and the fighting on social media. As I began to read all the comments, I couldn't help but repent. If the church did what the Bible has called us to do, then many of these issues would be resolved and Christians would not be so despised. We have to start having these conversations. So I'm going to step on some toes today and my heart is not to hurt. It is to light a fire underneath each one of us, to challenge us to live in a way that makes a difference in this world to the least of these, not only um, to live a life that allows our families to prosper, but for those around us to prosper. And in order for those around us to prosper, we might have to say no to some personal things to say yes to the people around us. I believe that every problem in this world, God has called and will equip someone to be the solution, but he gives us free will. And many times we allow fear to stop us or the American dream stops us. We chase that instead of our God-given callings or hundred other things that get in the way from stepping out into our calling to solve one tiny issue in the world. These callings take great faith and sacrifice to walk out. And I understand what that means. I, uh, too, am trying to walk out my calling. It's scary. Um, I believe that I was created to teach others how to read and study the Bible. We live in a world now where 80% of Christians don't read the Word. They are formulating their own theology based on what they think about God. And this is dangerous. And this is where false teaching can slip in. And you don't even know it because you, you are not in the Word. In the word. 
excuse me, my allergies are horrific. Um, I believe with every ounce of my heart that if people are shown how to study and they get into the truth of God's word, they will hear him speak and they will fall so in love with him that they will say yes to the callings and the dreams that he has placed on their heart. They'll know him intimately, so they will feel safe to jump out of the boat just like Peter and radically serve him. I really do believe that. I believe it so much that in <clears throat> this season of our world where prices are, inflation is terrible, and we are already living paycheck to paycheck, I'm going to quit my job to pursue this full time in September to give it the attention that it needs. Again, I'm not asking you to do something I'm not willing to do. I'm going to jump out of the boat and see where it lands. And I'm trusting that God has a plan for this. He just hasn't all given it to me fully. Sometimes we have a stirring and it makes no sense to us. But if we just sit and wait for it to roll out before our eyes, it's never going to happen. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take significant life adjustments. And I invite you to join me on this journey. What is stirring in your heart? And I hope that my story will encourage you to jump out in faith and do the same. Well, today we're going to look at what the Bible says, how we are to treat those around us in need. And we're going to start in Acts. This Acts was the second study that I did with Becoming a Bible Nerd. And it is full of stories of how the church is supposed to respond to those in need. So in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35, I'm going to read and then we're going to talk about it. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. All that were there were no, um, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money, from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was to be distributed to everyone who had need. Now, let me back up and give a little context. It happened where Jerusalem had many travelers from all over the known world because at that time, the Jews were to return to Jerusalem for several of the appointed feasts. And during Pentecost, or at Pentecost, that was one of the appointed feasts. So there were more people in Jerusalem than normal. And then God gave the Holy Spirit to the Christian world at this one particular feast, at this one particular year. So many of the people stayed there. They wanted to be a part of this. They didn't return home. They didn't have homes there. They didn't have all of their things there. And so the church, the body of Christ, shared their possessions. They didn't even look at it like it was mine, but I'm letting you borrow it. They just shared it. It was not their own. And so we see a beautiful picture of how the church is supposed to operate. Well, when I was going to Bible college in the 90s, Every semester, we had a guest missionary come in for the week to talk to us at our 11 o'clock services. His name was Wayne Myers, and thus we coined it Wayne Myers Week. Now, he taught how you cannot outgive God, that he is always going to outgive you. And this was not a prosperity gospel. It was just a testimony of a missionary's life that the more he gave away, the more God gave him. 
but he viewed that as God trusting him with more to give away. He had not accumulated wealth at all, but if God gave him a house, he used it for the time being, but when he saw that somebody else needed it, he gave it away, and God would give him something bigger. And same thing with vehicles, same thing with money. He just, as soon as it would come in and he saw a need, he would give it out, and then God would give him more. And so he would teach this principle and then he would challenge us to do something. He wanted us to start with giving something that we owned away by the end of that week. It could be something of monetary value, or it could even have been something that you just loved that was important to you. Maybe it was um, your the, a purse, a, a designer purse that you had saved up for. Well, that's not important. And he would challenge you, give that to somebody else who could never have it. And so today... I want you to take notes through this. You might want to pause this, grab a notepad, because I'm going to give you some assignments. And the first assignment for Acts chapter 4 is to give something meaningful to someone else. Try it. And we would love to hear your story. So private message me and share this challenge that you took. Tell us what you gave, who you gave it to. We want to accumulate these and do something with them later. We can keep it private. We won't reveal any names, but we want you to testify what, what God is doing in your life through this. So give something meaningful away to someone else. Moving on to Acts chapter six, it says in those days when a number of disciples, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on the tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our full attention to prayer and ministry of the word. So what was happening is while everyone is in Jerusalem, there was a daily distribution of food to the widows. Well, we had Hebraic Jews. Those were Jews that lived in the, the Greco-Roman world. And a lot of their culture and their traditions and their biblical worldview had changed to become a little more like Rome. And then you had the staunch Judaic uh, Jews who lived in Jerusalem and a lot of their life had not been altered by other cultures. And so you kind of naturally, just like in every civilization, you kind of have this tension between the two groups of Jews. And it appeared that the Jews from the Judaic or the widows from the Judaic sect were getting more food than Hellenistic widows. And so there was a complaint. And so the 12 apostles they weren't being arrogant, but what they were saying is we have to bring Christianity around the known world. We cannot stop and pause and solve this issue. So now we're going to raise up some people, some leaders that are full of the Holy Spirit that are going to solve these issues in the church. <clears throat> but what we gather from this today is that God's people took care of widows. They were giving them the things that they need. But also, I think it's interesting in this culture that widows were expected to give all of their extra time to the church. So it was a give and take situation, but we see their needs being met. Well, how can we apply this to our culture today? <clears throat> um, one of the things that we can do is 
notice widows that live next to us, that go to church with us, or that are somehow in our circle of influence, and we can invite them over for dinner. Can you imagine how lonely it can get to be sitting in a home with no children and no spouse? It can get quiet and it can get lonely. So I encourage you, invite them over for dinner, invite them over for lunch, invite them over to go to a sporting event with your children, mow their grass, go and sit with them and maybe play cards or dominoes or whatever it is that they're into. So your assignment this week is to pray and ask God to show you how to bless a widow and then act on it. Again, we would love to hear your stories because that is going to build encouragement into this ministry. And we want to invite your family to be a part of what you do. The next section that we're going to look at is in Ruth. It's in Ruth, we see Ruth gleaning from the grain in Boaz's field. And she got this practice from Leviticus chapter 23, verses 22. Um, the law said, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings from your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I'm the Lord, your God. So basically what God was saying was leaving margin in your economy for the poor and for foreigners. So how we apply this to our life is we need to leave margin in our bank account to help those around us in need. We don't have fields, we don't have plantations, but we do have bank accounts. We um, have gone through seasons um, in our life, and in this season, this has been a reminder for me to get back in gear for this, where we set aside 10% of our paycheck to give away to those in need. Now, I'm not talking about the 10% tithe that goes to the church for them to distribute as they need, but there have been seasons in our marriage where we also set aside an extra 10% to give to different ministries in need or widows or single moms or what have you. We had that already set aside and sometimes it would accumulate and then we were able to bless even more um, whenever that was the case. We just need to plan something where we don't spend every dime for ourselves. Maybe this is just you picking up a few extra groceries to give to someone um, that lives near you. Or whenever you order school supplies or things for your children, you order an extra one to give to a single mom. Maybe you pl uh, pay for dance or baseball for uh, someone in need on your team. We have to set margin. And a lot of the times, especially in our world today with inflation being everywhere, we can easily say, well, we just don't have the margin. This is going to take intentionality. Maybe you don't go out to eat as much as possible. And when I say you, I'm talking to myself. Believe me, we're living at a time where we haven't been setting 10% aside for this. But this message, again, has gotten me thinking um, about where we can create margin because we can. We are, if you live above the poverty line in the United States, you are in the top 4% of the world's most wealthiest people. I know that you might not be able to keep up with the Joneses here, but if you take the economy of people all around the world, we are in the top 4% if you live above the poverty line. You can, we can, I can create margin for this. Also, you can get creative. I love these little food pantries that I see that are just like, they look like a little wooden house and kind of like the Lindy libraries that you've seen around town and people put canned goods in it. 
you could start something like that. You can be creative where other people can join you and you don't have to fund it all by yourself. Okay, so we're going to look at James chapter 1, verse 27. Now, it says, Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless in this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I love this verse. I loved when we talked about this when we studied James. Notice that it does not say that pure religion is to send your money, to throw your money at needs. Now, that is needed. I'm not saying not to. We do need people to be big givers and to fund these things. But what we're called to do is to look after. This word, look after widows and orphans, means to visit. It's about investing your time. It's about being present in their lives. Now, we have a young adult that's involved and her family is involved in our church. Her name is Macy Roy. And this is something that I've loved watching her do. She is in school. She is doing all the things that she needs to do to become a teacher. So that is going into classrooms and observing. She has a full-time job or part-time that seems full-time and a very, very busy girl. But she finds time every week to go to a girl's home and tutor the girls and to build relationship. This is very important to her and she is very particular about who she will let join her because she wants the girls to feel safe and to know that these people who join her will return. And so this is what it looks like. She is giving her time. Those girls know her by name. She knows them by name and they trust her. What can this look like for us? I mean, we saw this take place in the early church and it made the gospel explode at a rapid pace. So this is something so important for us to do. Um, now, in this world where right now with the Roe v. Wade, one of the arguments that I've heard all over Facebook is, well, where are the people that are going to foster all these children? Well, our foster system is overloaded, and I'm not here to say this morning that everyone in the audience needs to go do foster care. I am going to challenge you and say if that has been a thought that has popped up in your mind, you need to explore that because I'm pretty sure that that is probably the Holy Spirit stirring something. And so if that has been something that you have considered, I urge you, I encourage you, go with that. Go explore that. Go get certified. Be a respite care for foster care families. Take that path. But not all of us are going to be called to that, but we can still help. We can jump out of the boat and trust. What would it look like if we just saw someone who was hurting and we invested time in them? And we spent our extra time because we've created margin in our time to build relationship with them. And what if that person ended up pregnant? And what if that person explored their options, but suddenly instead of abortion and even instead of adoption, they felt like, you know what? I have people in my life through my church or through whatever who have invested in me. And even though my home life isn't good, and even though I don't have my life together, I believe that these women are going to help me through this season. What would it look like if we just loved people and cared for people like we were called to do? Then maybe some of these people would feel like they have a support system and they would feel like that they could keep their child 
and they could raise their child because of their support system. Or even if they did give it up for adoption, we could walk them through that process with love and support. I am thinking just if the church would do what we are called to do, some of these problems in society would just fix themselves because people would feel loved, people would feel equipped, and people would feel like they have a body of support around them. What if we shared space in our home? This is something that Newly and I have done. We've actually done several times in our marriage where we didn't feel that we had a lot to give. We were in ministry. Gosh, at the beginning of our marriage, Newly was in school working on his master's. Even though we were saving our little 10% to give away, it was such a tiny amount, it would not make an impact on anyone. But what we did have was a spare bedroom. So on three separate occasions, we have invited a single person to move in with us. On each occasion, they lived with us for six months. And then in addition to that, we had a family of four move in with us for six months, which was newly sister. And then in addition to that, we've had two different families live on our property in an RV. So for about two and a half to three years of our 17 years of marriage, we've had other people living with us. It can be done and you can get creative. And I will even say that those were some of the happiest months of our lives. We loved those seasons. And so what I'm saying is even if you don't have a lot to give, someone else, you can get creative and give what you have. And sometimes us being present in their lives go way further than the money that they need. Now, in addition to the scripture, looking after, which meant, means to visit, to know widows and orphans, we are also called to keep from being polluted by the world. Now, what this means is being unstained by the world. God wants us very much in the world. We cannot seclude ourselves so that we will be safe. We have to be in the world and we have to bring light and life to the mess. But Spurgeon says charity and purity are two great garments of Christianity. Our purity will set us apart. It will cause our light to shine brighter and it will allow the power of the Holy Spirit to blast through us. Our sin quenches the work of the Holy Spirit. We want to serve and love others and not just meet their emotional and physical needs. We want our ultimate work for serving others to be the work of the Holy Spirit and what he does through their lives and eventually saves their soul. But we want to be pure so that his work can come and shine through and have as the maximum amount of power. One of the stories I want to share through this is um, my roommate in Bible college, her name was Ariel, and we were in our early 20s, and she was maybe a year or two earlier. She came from Florida, and she was passionate about stopping abortions. So every Saturday, she would wake up, and she would go to the local abortion clinic, and she didn't have her sign, and she wasn't screaming that you're murdering your kids. She would just very quietly and peacefully go up to a woman walking in and say, hey, my name is Ariel, and can I talk to you? I want to share some things that no one will share with you. And she would just so lovingly encourage and be there for the mom. And what I discovered was that this was her life's work at a young 20 years old. In fact, in Florida, she had been involved in doing this on a sidewalk, but there were people who were, um, you know, chanting and trying to stop um, picketing, I guess what you would say. And the police had to get involved and she was there doing her thing in grace and love, but everyone got arrested. So she didn't have enough to pay the fine off. So every year, 
I mean, every um, time we had a break, she would go back to Florida and spend a couple of nights in jail as a 20, early 20 something. But she would always come back with a story of someone who she led to the Lord. And so in her, 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 her life, she, it was not unusual for me to get, or us, I shared a room with her to get a phone call in the middle of the night. I can remember one in particular where she answered the phone and she just heard a voice saying, Ariel, I did it. Ariel knew, excuse me, Ariel knew that that meant that one of her friends, somebody she loved, had had an abortion. And her first response was, I'm getting you a plane ticket. You're going to come stay with me. We're going to get through this together. So I'm just saying that your, your impact, Ariel didn't change the world and she didn't change the face of abortions, but she changed one life at a time just through her love and being there. She visited, she got to know, she was very present in people's lives and we can do the same. And one of the last scriptures we're going to talk about is 1 John 3, 17 through 18. And it says, if anyone has material possessions or sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can love, the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in action and in truth. Action, get out there, roll up our sleeves and get in the grid. Truth, share the truth of God's word. We cannot pat people on the back and let them continue to live in sin without saying, hey, I love you. I'm here for you. And this is what the word of God says. This is for your best life. That can be scary and it can offend people. But the God of this world, Satan, has sold a lot of humanity and they have bought it. The truth, while hard, will offer people the best life that God has. And so I just encourage you to get out there and love well, but also share the truth. We have um, people that have done this. And I have a friend that is a pastor in Vider at Love and Truth Church. Her name is Jamie Collier. And she had on her heart to meet the needs of people in Vider. So she opened a life center where she wanted to provide a hot meal and maybe a few groceries and clothes, whatever the needs are for people. And one of the things that I'm going to share with her story is I believe I could get this a little wrong, but I think for the first month they had the hot meals prepared. They had the things in place and no one showed up. So what I'm saying is sometimes when God stirs in our heart to do something, it's going to take grit and it's going to take endurance because that's hard, especially when you're rallying volunteers to help join you and no one showed up. But I met with her this week and she's months into this process and she said that now on Mondays they serve about 115 hot meals and not only did we get to rejoice in that but it was so exciting to hear how God is providing the food and the people to cook it it's just been a miracle so when we are faithful we might not see the 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 overnight success of something, but I want to say stay with it, grind, and then it's going to be amazing how God meets that needs. So if you'd like to be a part of that, it's at Love and Truth Church every Monday from 10 to 2. I encourage you just to show up, take a look, jump in, see how you can be a part. But I also want to mention that on July 30th, they have 100 kids signed up 
to get new shoes and free haircuts there. And once again, I asked her, do you have enough hairdressers? And she said, no, but God provides every time. We're just going to stay faithful. So if you are interested in donating new shoes, and I'm talking about shoes that you would want to put your kids in on the first day of school. These kids don't have anything. Let's not get them dollar store shoes, but let's get them a good pair of shoes. And if you have the ability to cut hair, I encourage you to reach out to me or her, Jamie Collier, on Facebook and help with that event on July 30th. Okay, so how else can we get started? Um, there are plenty of things in the area, if you're listening in Southeast Texas, um, plenty of ways to get started. I encourage you to look around your workplace, see people in need, look around your church. What other uh, events can you join and get involved in? Um, look around your neighborhood for needs. You know, one of the things that I read in a book that really hit me was being a loving neighbor was, you know, maybe there there's always that one house in the neighborhood and everything's overgrown and looking nasty instead of people complaining. I wish that neighbor would do something. I've even seen on other people's Facebook group pages, them complaining about a particular house, just blasting them on Facebook. Instead, maybe just go down and mow their grass because you never know. What if it's someone sick in the home? What if someone got cancer and... They're so busy caring for a loved one that they just don't have time to do it. What if it's somebody single? What if it, um, there, there could be a million reasons why maybe their lawnmower broke and they don't have money to repair it. Why don't you just go and be a good neighbor? We, why don't we just go and be a good neighbor and, and, and cut their grass and get to know them? Other things you can do is call your local CPS um, office. Many times they have someone on staff that it is their job to coordinate things at Christmas time and around prom and around back to school. And they are doing big things that they need help with. So call, find out what you can donate and how you can help. In Beaumont, they have a, um, a homeless shelter called Some Other Place, and they provide food. It's kind of like a soup kitchen. It's really big. And next to that, they have Henry's Place. Um, I believe that is run by the same owner. Henry's Place is constantly emailing. I'm on their email list that they need help during the week doing some clerical things. And so maybe contact them and ask how you can help. They, they are a um, nonprofit that hasn't fully open yet for some reason. I think they were open. They've been closed, but they're getting ready to open. All of this um, is to do with homeless people, people in need in Beaumont. There's also um, Southeast Texas Food Pantries, the Ministerial Alliance in the Bridge City, Orangefield area. There's Sleep and Heavenly Peace in Beaumont, and they build beds and deliver beds to children all over Southeast Texas who do not have a bed to sleep on. They have build days once a month and delivery days. And I've been a part of that and it's phenomenal. There's Meals on Wheels in Orange and Beaumont. That's delivering a hot meal um, and supplies to elderly people. And I, while I have not done it yet, I have met a woman who is a part of that. And she said, there's no greater blessing and that it's real easy. You do your delivery, you're done in an hour or two. And then there's a women's shelter. I want to share one more story this morning with uh, my friend Alyssa Scales. She had watched um, a movie on Netflix or a, a series about a, a, a woman trying to, to get help and what it was like just trying to get on your feet, um, being a woman that had no work experience and she didn't even have a vehicle. She was a woman and she, I mean, a mom and she was escaping a battered women's situation. So that spurred Alyssa to call a women's shelter 
And this was one of those stories, again, that it's not easy. She called and she called and she called and she got nowhere. And she was determined to do something for these women at Christmas. And so she didn't give up and she didn't stop. And she finally got in touch with someone. And then when she shared her dream, the woman almost discouraged her because she thought it was going to be too difficult. She didn't know how to work. That did not stop Alyssa. She went there in person and said, let me take a look. We can do this. Um, because the pro issue was that they only had an outdoor space for this. But what she ended up doing was um, renting tables and chairs or, or gathering tables and chairs, catering a wonderful meal, setting up. Um, it was simple, but it was beautiful. Every table had Christmas um, tablecloths on them with a poinsettia in the middle. There was a table set up with little cute things for kids to do and color sheets. And we just invited all the women to come out have a hot meal and we visited with them and we gave them door prizes and we had just simple games simple simple games to play and those women stayed out there for the full two hours they didn't just get their meal and go in we had the time of our lives all because of a dream a stirring in the heart that Alyssa scales had so what i'm telling you is Get out there and do the things that God is stirring in your heart. I promise when we're faithful, God is faithful to show up. All of the needs for all these people have been being met just by their faithfulness. So we're going to start somewhere small. We don't have to change the world. We're, our goal is just to change one person at a time. Leave a better place in this world for them. Let them know that they're not alone and they're loved. But we have to take our first step. I will be posting opportunities to serve in our community as I see them. Let's make the world brighter together so that God can get the glory and more people will come into his kingdom. I know this has been a long one. Um, I hope you have enjoyed it because this is a subject that's near and dear to my heart. I certainly hope that I did not leave you with the feeling that I think that I'm an expert. This is something that doesn't even come naturally to me, but I want to have a heart to serve. And so I'm constantly trying to cultivate that. And the people that I mentioned in this podcast are true inspirations to me. Want they, want, they help make me want to be a better person. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear places that you know where we can serve and we'll post those. I hope you have a great week. Happy reading and we'll see you next week.